Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Hidden Rooms. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Monday, January 22nd in the year 2024. We have a lot of things going on in the world that are causing a great deal of awakening. And with this, we're starting to discover the depth of corruption, the challenges that we face as a nation, challenges we face in our communities, in our county commissions, our cities. The depth of all of this is awakening us to a new level of awareness to what the challenges are that we face. And part of this is also looking within ourselves. We all have places in our time right now that we're having to look behind these doors, so to speak, hidden rooms that I'd call them, places we don't want to admit, places we, we don't want to have to face. And they happen at every single level of our world in our government and in our lives, in our local communities, and even in our personal lives on a daily basis within ourselves. This is part of the Great Awakening. And in the Great Awakening, it isn't just a place of information and knowledge. It's a deep spiritual awakening and accountability. And really, more accurately said, it should be said, the age of accountability. Because ultimately, that is what we're doing here. We are creating a new world, and we are doing it steadily. And we are doing it in time and pace with all that's happening. But it's shaking things as we knew them. And as that happens... We have to start facing a new way of doing things, which is a new level of accountability, not just for little things, but for big things in our lives. We're not in a place anymore that we can brush things under the rug and say, that's good enough or well enough. We now have to come to grips with what they are. And this is where our faith becomes so critical in this hour, is for us to truly be able to step in, repent, and hold ourselves accountable in ways that perhaps we never did before, or it was too difficult to do. Our founding fathers, I believe, truly understood that as far as a nation. I think they understood that there was a time and a place when we all had to come to grips with that. They gave us the tools to do it. They gave us the framework of a nation to be able to change it. And they trusted in us in future generations that we would figure it out. And I truly believe that. I think that they had such brilliant insight and foresight that they knew this nation would eventually auger itself into the depths of near hell. I think that the founding documents that they provided us, they had hoped and prayed and likely knew somewhere in there that we would be able to navigate our way out of the depths of darkness by simply rediscovering what they did for us at the very beginning. They empowered us. They turned the, the power of all things over to we the people. And they knew it some way or another, no matter how dark things became, that there'd be a spark lit somewhere, even if it was small, even if it was just a tinderbox that would ultimately light a fire that would build the righteousness of, of a people to stand them back up and take their nation back. But it all has to do in the end with us being able to walk into those hidden rooms, 
those hidden places that we don't want to face, those difficult memories, those difficult choices, those difficult moments in our lives, the difficult realities that we've accepted, take accountability for them, and now step into something greater. Patriots, before we get going tonight, I just want to make mention of a, one of our great sponsors, which is emfshield.com or empshield.com, excuse me, empshield.com. We are today, in fact, it's an interesting piece in the news about a solar flare. It's a two explosions from the sun were set to impact the earth today. And this is a constant issue of, of challenges we face in this modern time. That includes EMPs, which are level one, two, and three, different levels of EMP that can wipe out entire grid systems, electronics, things that we depend on every single day. Our homes are wired that way. Our cars are wired that way. Our ATVs, RVs, they all have these circuits on them that once they're fried, we can't replace them. They have to be made custom or we have to rely on a supply chain logistics system. But with enough of these things going down, since our entire system is dependent on this, Literally, we can become paralyzed overnight or even in a moment. EMPShield.com provides the products that we need to ensure that safety and security for our nation and for our lives. Our cars are critical. Our ATVs, if you're on a ranch, become critical. Our RVs, depending on how you live, could be critical. Your, your, your solar system is critical. Your permanent generator backup system is critical. All of these things are part of a system in which we live. And if the electronics get fried, we might as well have a brick. So it's an important investment. It's one that's worthy of the cost, and it's one that isn't that expensive considering what the magnitude of impact can be if we don't have it. So head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and get $50 off and free shipping. Fantastic offer. It's a great company. It's a veteran-owned company. It's an American-made product certified at American Labs, and it does its job well. It's easy to install. They have an amazing resource library for you. You can also check out all the certifications they've gone through in that resource library. It's a very transparent company. It's one of the reasons I also like them a lot. Nothing hidden. So head on over to empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS. Get $50 off and free shipping. You won't be disappointed. Where I want to begin tonight is a piece that is about a testimony in Congress. And it's important to understand the magnitude of this piece because this is reminding our congressmen of their duty and their responsibility to this nation. Again, little things that people like to ignore and kind of brush under the rug. Again, sticking inside of a hidden room. Are any of you guys familiar with Article 4, Section 4 of our Constitution, often called the Invasion Clause? Anybody? Yes. I'm going to read it real quick. The United States shall guarantee to every state in the Union a Republican form of government and shall protect right. each of them against invasion. Now, there's arguments right now about whether or not this is an invasion, but it's tough to argue when you have the equivalent of a combat division size of illegals coming across our southern border. For those of you that don't know, that's 10,000 individuals every single day in invasion. And we've talked about what comes with those individuals from crime, you know, the economic burdens on, on our citizens, the, the, the families being destroyed of fentanyl. You guys are all familiar with that. You guys see them every single day in your own states. Is that correct? Yes. Thank you. Are you guys aware of the uh, job title of Alejandro Mayorkas, Mr. Knudsen? His specific job title is Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. Homeland Se Secretary of Homeland Security. 
Now, I'm no, I'm, I'm no constitutional scholar, Mr. Drummond, but just from that job title alone, would you assess that maybe his job might be to secure and protect the homeland? He has the duty to control and guard our homeland. Mr. Bailey, is uh, Secretary Mayorkas doing that? He is, has abdicated his official legal responsibilities and his moral and ethical responsibilities to this nation. Mr. Knudsen, is he doing that? Absolutely is not. He is derelict in many of those duties. All right, so let's read through this post. This comes from Wall Street Apes. It says, boom, Representative Eli Crane, on the record, the federal government is committing treason. Tenth Amendment is trending. Texas must defend America. And it goes on. And it quotes from that, are any of you guys familiar with the Article 4, Section 4 of our Constitution, often called the Invasion Clause? Anybody? Yeah, I'm going to read it in real, real quick. The United States shall guarantee to every state in the Union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. Now, there's an argument right now about whether or not this is an invasion. He goes on, and we just heard this. Are so, any of you guys familiar well, with Article 4, Section 4 of our Constitution, often called the of our Constitution, often called the Invasion Clause? So the issue here at hand is one of these things that Americans have become very convenient with is to not want to look at where we are in our nation right now. It's easier to go about our day, and it's easier not to have to face facts. We've become exceptional as a country of bearing truths, of putting things aside, of not wanting to face reality because it's too difficult. And they become literally, and I'm going to use this a lot tonight, they become this concept of what I'm calling hidden rooms. But the question is really, how do we get to a place where that becomes so easy? And a republic requires an engaged people and people that have no fear. You have to be willing to stand up to a government. You have to understand that the government is subordinate to the wills of the people. And unfortunately, we're at a place right now where government has roughshod over everybody, bulldozed over everybody, and it is take, getting its way with everything. And a good part of that reason that's happening is because the government is the source of the very trauma of a nation and on a nation and thus the people are subject to that trauma and no longer able or willing or even realizing that they're not doing their duty. I'm going to read a little bit from the Declaration of Independence, which I think, again, I say so many times, is probably one of the most important documents of our nation. And I'm going to read the first and the second paragraph because I don't typically read the first. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and the laws of God entitle them, a decent respect for the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare that the causes which impel them to the separation. This was a courageous act. This was an understanding that people had the right to challenge government, which was radical at the time. Under the rules of kings, no one challenged the kings because they were literally gods themselves in one form or another. We are given a country that literally where it reads in the second paragraph, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, those rights cannot be taken away by anybody. They're the very root of who we are. They are given to us by God. The only 
way they can be given away or taken away is if God removes them himself. We can give them away, but we always have the right to reclaim them. What has happened is we have given away so much of our rights and we have become so accustomed to being dictated to by what our rights should be without understanding the core of this. We've conveniently walked into the world that every single time we end up with a contradiction in our life, we just brush it aside to that hidden room. And we don't want to open that door. And that door becomes just stacked. It becomes the hoarder's room of hidden things we don't want to look at anymore because it's easier just to go along our day. We're going to vote somebody into office. We know they're corrupt or whatever. matches politics as if it has no impact on our lives. We are at a point right now where it's a cumulative effect of acceptance of corruption, a cumulative effect of acceptance of betrayal that has led us to a point right now where in our eyes we are witnessing the complete destruction of our nation and we're asking ourselves why, and even worse, why God? All of this falls ultimately on our shoulders for accountability. The problem with trauma-based programming and the problem with being in a nation that builds itself around trauma-based programming, which just for the record, that was an acceleration that happened with Operation Paperclip, which means that if you don't, aren't familiar with that, that's when the CIA moved the Nazis into our country and allowed them to infiltrate to become leaders in industry, leaders in government, leaders in special agencies, special access programs, et cetera, gave them access, gave them placement, gave them indemnity from lawsuit. We protected them as a class of people, and we became infiltrated and invaded. And as this began, the whole process of taking over America began in, a, in earnest. And the trauma of these, of these type of thinkers, this evil that came into our country, took a country by storm, a country that was coming out of a trauma anyway of war. And now the agents of trauma took hold of the government and began to use those methods to control the people and break them down. Obviously, we were a threat. As a nation, as a people, we were a threat to the world order long before we even knew that. And at the core of all of that was that sentence right there. You can water down the threat to the world to that sentence right now. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That establishes the authority of the people in this land. And it continues to secure these rights, so important here, governments are, are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's us. We have given them cons consent. So if government is out of control and we're not willing to face it and open up that door and say, I made this decision, that decision, we end up in a place where government will continue to steamroll us. And unfortunately, what has happened with COVID con is it's gotten even worse. The knowledge of what, what that shot has done, the whole damage from the mask era to the shot itself, where many people still haven't left that trauma-based programming. But the reality is that increasingly a number of people are becoming aware of the fact that, if, that they played into that hand and they became part of the problem. This is an argument I've also made for the transgender movement, that those parents that have willfully brought their children into having them altered and mutilated, doing so because they listened to a psychologist who was built on a framework of thinking that was part of a greater institution of control. They willfully participated in the mutilation of their children and the severing of any ability of ever having children in their life, the grandchildren, or their children having children. It's a horrific burden a parent faces. 
if you've done that. And whatever parent has done that, I guarantee for until they can understand an avenue of healing or forgiveness, they are going to continue to defend that way of life and that choice because to do otherwise, they would literally go insane because the trauma that they would have done to their child would become tenfold upon them. This is how they built this trauma system within our culture. COVID is a great example of that because as a, as a nation, they imposed rules and regulations that were literally insane. But there was a group of people that accepted insanity as a new normal. And in so doing, they became burdened and scarred and wounded by decisions that they made because they literally turned on their fellow man, their fellow family member, their wife, their, their daughter, their son, or vice versa. And all the, and families tore themselves apart as a country literally divided itself. This was all by design to leave such levels of trauma and such things that people could no longer face the truth because to face the truth, in order to face the truth, you have to be able to face yourself. And our churches right now as a whole are not equipped with, to deal with that sort of deep inner healing. And that's the only place you're going to get it. Because if you go to the psychologist, they're going to give you drugs. That's just another step of pharmacia. If you go to the doctor, he's going to tell you it's not a problem he can deal with because they can't medically cut it out of you. If you deal with counselors, they're just going to draw, drag you out towards endless hours of trying to put some sort of shame and guilt upon you so that you start to take a, trying to find some sort of false solution. And the only avenue that we know to deal with this sort of trauma is through Scripture and through the, the Church of Acts, through a principle of deliverance and a principle of inner healing and a principle of prayer, the acceptance of Christ, the re being reborn within the body of Christ and truly being healed within the power of God. That's the only avenue we know successfully works. And I don't care, any doctor can argue it with me, I can prove it again and again what we can do without drugs and the miracles of, of our God. But the problem is that as a nation, the trauma has hit on so many levels that Individually, we are carrying these burdens and we're not willing to dig deep into the closets to let ourselves go. And we're bound right now. We're bound and we're trapped in deep ways as a nation that is making it difficult, very difficult for us to move forward and to see the way, to see the way ahead. And that's leading us to some very difficult moments. As a nation, because we have so many hidden rooms in our lives, we're not able to open those up and free ourselves, and so we continue to walk in silence with our head down, say nothing, hope it goes away, maybe it'll blow over, because I don't want to look inside of what I've done. I'll give you some examples. Someone who has been a drug addict that doesn't want to come out and admit that or has quietly suffered in this, these are burdens they carry. They try to brush it aside and hope it'll go away, even though that addiction may still be there. Porn addiction's another one. Men carrying the burden of porn addiction, not wanting to come forward or able to come forward without being ostracized. Acts that we've done, maybe it's acts of violence, maybe it's something somebody stole, maybe it's a decision you've made that harms somebody's life. Maybe it's just a regret of not making a decision. The world that we're in is designed to build these hidden rooms, that we carry these massive burdens. And so the extent of which we can do that is to say, well, Christ forgives me. But unfortunately, what a message that is, is said in its many motives, whatever it is, that it gets translated is you're not worthy, but God's giving you grace because you're not worthy, but he's going to give you grace anyway. We have beat a society down with a club, and we're not getting into those dark places to say, 
I need to release this. I need to step in. I need to be a patriot. I need to be in the hour. I need to step in for our nation. This will be the third time I've gone over this. I went over it last night. I went over it this morning, but I'm going to bring it in again because it's that important. And it's something that came out last night in prayer or actually over the weekend in prayer. And it has to do with the inner healing and the things that are really, that are the three, three pillars of this that are so impactive on our lives. They're almost weaponized, weaponized methods from an enemy to use to bring us down. And I think one could argue that these have been weaponized at a spiritual realm against us. But we have to become aware of them to get into these places in our lives, to get deep into the places we don't want to face. Nobody likes to have to look back at their past. We want to say it's good enough, it's well enough. We, want to, we don't want to leave those things in the past. We've lived a long life. We've lived a life, whatever that length of life it is, whatever we've done, we just want to say, okay, past is a past, let's move on. Unfortunately, the way this works in a spiritual realm, the way it works within our relationship with God, those pasts affect our access to him. Those burdens on our heart that are not cleared limit our access to him, and we have to get them opened and cleared. And so it gets deep. It gets personal. And in doing so, once we start to lift them off, we find a level of freedom we've never known. And so when we start to talk about liberty and we start to talk about those principles that are in our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, liberty and freedom for a people, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're in a war right now of the spirit of life versus the spirit of death. In order to appreciate life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, we have to find joy, which means we, and that is where this, I always say, we are a Christian country. Those principles are central to our love in Christ. And those principles are part of us being able to release ourselves from the burdens of the past. The step that many take and can assume that it will be fulfilling and full is, I accepted Jesus in my life. I've been reborn. It's an important part of this, without any question. Because in doing that, we lift off our sins. Unfortunately, we're left many times, most of the time, with burdens and, and, and portals, if you will, things that the enemy can exploit because we live in an active war zone. We always have. We are behind enemy lines. At the very moment of conception, at that moment when you are conceived, we are perfect. We are perfect. From that point forward, depending on how you're raised, depending how your family life is, you, are, you arrive into this world hopefully innocent, meaning in the, in the womb, hopefully you don't get exposed to a, an addiction of drugs by, by your mother, an abusive father, um, all sorts of sort of trauma around the home. Hopefully it doesn't happen. In our hope in a perfect world, as you're born, we're born into this world innocent. And then we arrive in the place of knowing whether we are, if it's good versus evil. And once we accomplish, once we become aware of good versus evil, we are now in the fallen world. And that can happen right at birth or that can happen some years later. Once that becomes that point, we have to be able to make the choice. And that choice, if we aren't given the framework to make the choice, it becomes exploited by the enemy. So if, you, if as a child you don't understand that, that split and you don't understand that you have a choice between good and evil and you're being told in a church, in a message that translates to you're a sinner and you are unworthy, then what you're hearing is I'm made imperfect. And this we can verify. We can verify it simply by the number of kids that are being easily convinced to walk over and change their gender. It's the most evil we've ever faced because it's weaponizing a message that should be about us be trying to seek Christ and become better through him 
It's weaponizing it to make children believe because they've been so separated by the message of God in their education and in their lives around it. It's not just putting God back in schools. It's God's been taken out of everything in our world. And that weaponization of that message now translates to something like this. You are born imperfect by a God that is imperfect, and therefore let me show you the way to make yourself whole and perfect again. That's a woke agenda. And then it leads this, to this insanity of literally walking into the greatest trap, which is the mockery in God's face of taking his children, literally his children, and walking them in with the guidance of their parents that should be protecting them to walk them into surgeries to have themselves genital, genit, having their genitalia mutilated and cut off their body to create something that they're never going to be. And then begins the greatest thing for the demon and the demonic world is a life of suffering and pain. We are living then in that place. We are allowing those kids to live in a walking and living hell. Those burdens that a parent does, those choices that a society doesn't prevent, they become those hidden rooms of things we don't want to look at. We don't want to open those doors and say, we were part of that. And unfortunately, for every voice that hasn't spoken up on this, every voice that hasn't said no and tried to scream out to the world to say stop, we become complicit in that crime, a crime against children. And this war ultimately is all about children. It's all about going towards the children and trying to harm God because those that ultimately rule this world hate God. And that's something that I think, again, we have a difficult time as a society processing the level of what hate is. Hate is unrestrained on the evil side. They hate God. And the way that they can get to God in their belief and get to him close enough to hurt him the most is to go after the most young they can. Abortion's one thing. Severing the seed of a man is another. But damaging a child so that they live in, in a pain and agony, believing a lie until finally they wake up, and almost every one of them does, and when they finally do wake up, what ends up happening? Suicide. The highest rates of suicide come from the transgender community once they hit the age of about 30. Most of them self-terminate. That's a horrific stat, and it's a horrific reality in the world in which we live. And it becomes a question of what is it going to take for all of us to be able to stand up and say, finally, enough is enough. And we're really right there. These are questions we have to ask. So I want to read these three things to you because there's three pillars that I'm really pushing hard. They, they are truly came from prayer. And I believe they are, these words are words that we all have to confront in our life in a deep way. The first one of these is doubt. One of the things that is so endemic to our society is doubt. And what is doubt? Doubt is the doubt that we have in God. We doubt the power of the miraculous. We doubt the presence of God. We doubt that God will bring, will bring justice. We doubt that God will be here. We doubt that God leads us. The problem with doubt is doubt represents a lack of faith. And it allows the enemy to fill the void, which should be the void that shouldn't be there. It should be full of the trust in Father. But that void that it fills, it fills with the whispers and the lies of the father of lies himself. And it allows the enemy to maneuver into such a degree that it can overtake our understanding of God, convince us many times that God doesn't exist, that God isn't present, that God isn't part of our lives. And our doubt 
is then to such a degree that we will accept those lies and even quite be angry at God when he doesn't show up. It's the enemy's gateway to filling us with their ideology and driving a society literally away from God and using our free will to do it. Doubt has many seeds, but the greatest part about doubt comes from a place of a societal place where we are framed in a world where we believe in the science. We're conditioned to believe that if we don't see it, it doesn't exist. Unfortunately, so much of this fight that we're in is a spiritual realm. It's out of our realm of visual thought, visual plane. And so instead of walking in faith, which is truly a walk in the darkest of dark, it's literally like closing your eyes and not being able to see anything at all, not even the hands in front of your face, and saying, God, I trust you. That's pure faith. We're taught that faith represents something where we can see it and it is delivered. So if we pray for healing and it doesn't have miraculous healing, then then miracle healing doesn't exist. That's the sort of mentality that is built within our structure. It's built too often within our churches. It's built within our schools. It's built within everything around us. That proof has to be given in visual representation of outcome. That's not God. God is about faith and trust. And when we accept the world of science and we look at the world of God and we don't see results, we question God and therefore we build the rift of doubt. And doubt the enemy floods in like a demon horde comes in us and it goes after us and it feeds us. And then every message that they've built around us, since they do do a good job of controlling the airways, every message around us will seed that doubt. And that doubt then puts the church and the message of the church, the message of scripture at odds with the world that we live in. And then it's easy to build that rift. Christian nationals, Christian nationalism, radical Christian thinking, this crazy stuff that somehow God will fix the world. All of these things were put at odds with others, and those that have the doubt look at you and say, man, you're one of those. Doubt's powerful, and we have to get hold of it. And the only way we're going to get to doubt is to go deep within our lives to find out where that seed of doubt is, and that's going to require us to open those doors to those hidden rooms, hidden rooms within us of things we may not want to look at, but we're going to have to do it. The other one is shame. Shame is usually comes from a personal wounding. Somewhere along the way, you've been wounded. Maybe it's an incident in the family. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was when you were a kid and you were teased by others. And again, I've never been big on going back and looking at trauma from a family or trauma in a childhood. Unfortunately, when we get into this level of spiritual warfare, we have to start looking at where those vulnerable points are in our armor because the enemy knows no limits. And we have to heal these. And to heal those, we have to get back in and open up those hidden doors again and get into those our hidden rooms. We have to get into them and start looking at where that was, and we have to be honest with ourselves. Shame is a big one, because with shame, shame comes, shame is, like I said, it comes from wounds. And with shame, a person develops a form of self-loathing idolatry that brings them to worship their pain and suffering more than they worship Father. This is huge. We become the idol ourselves, we, become look, we look at ourselves as greater than we are because we're so consumed with our self-pain, our, our, the weight that we carry, that we're not looking to God as the healer, as the miracle God, as the way out. Instead, we look at God as separate and outside of us. And the problem is God can't get to us because we're putting up this wall. And it's not that God can't work with us, but we're, we're not going to be able to hear God well because we're 
focused on our self-worship, our self-worship of pain. And with this, we, it develops this wedge. And the wedge separates us from the love and the blessings versus the individual burden which we carry. Shame must be identified in our life. And these are some of the hardest places to go. And that wound has to be healed. Now we talk about these rather, I talk about these rather offhandedly, like that we can just snap our fingers and heal these wounds. This isn't about that. This is where we get into the real depths of deliverance and why this becomes such a critical issue in our time of understanding these tools. Deliverance and inner healing. Shame is one of these places where the demons take a hold, truly. If there's going to be an access point where the demon can take a hold of you and take a step in, it's going to be shame. And it's going to be able to drive actions and manipulate each one of us. We take COVID as a choice and we start to reflect on that. If those people that took the shot and those people that turned on their neighbors and turned on their family members, that creates a massive level of shame when that awakening comes. And that shame will cause a person not to be able to hear God the burden of what they carried in their heart. And this gets to where we always talk about having a forgiving heart. A forgiveness in Christ is so powerful because we have to overcome the shame which we live with. And the shame breeds things like guilt and breeds things like remorse or anger, hatred. Shame is a horrible root, and it has to be cleared out. And with shame, there's these doors that we have, these rooms we have to go into in our life. Shame might be the a trauma it might be a rape when you were young. It might be a molestation. And we have to be able to heal that. It might be a rejection of a responsibility of your life. It's something you did in your walk in life. We all have them, and they're all there. And none of us can say we don't have them. Because in one way or another, there's that peace there. And it's to get into this place, the only way we're going to be able to do this and truly heal this is with our relationship in Christ. This is what what I call and what others call timeline healing. And I will tell you from the conventional church, this is a radical idea, probably heretic by some. But it's the process of going back into those memories and walking those memories with Jesus and asking Jesus to heal those memories, to turn them right, to take the pain of the incident and to heal it. That might be a process of reworking that memory. That might be a process of taking that memory and letting Jesus himself just walk with you and, and walk you through it to release the pain and the burden. There's going to be pieces in there that we're going to be able to look at within ourselves that are affecting our current day. And as we release these pieces, it's, it's really a furnace of, of refinement. We're going to have to go through some refining. You're going to feel the dross being burned away as the purity of the silver surfaces to the top. But it's releasing us from a past that's allowing us to live into the present. And this isn't easy work. It's emotional work. It's deep work. But again, as we try to move forward and we're trying to move forward and eking forward as a nation and we're looking at each other going, why aren't we moving faster? Why is the enemy outpacing us? Doubt, shame are two big ones because we have been burdened and anchored down into things of the past we don't want to look at. And we're stacking more of those up. And as we go forward, we start to say, I can't take any more. And we stuff them more into these hidden rooms. And we're not be able to live into the moment and, and counteract what the enemy's doing. Ultimately, that all those wounds have to be healed and sealed. And when I say healed, healed in the blood of Christ and the armor sealed. There's a, it's a vulnerable point that we have to look at. And then we have fear, the third of the three. Fear is a virus. 
God tells us 365 times, fear not, for a good reason. Because once fear is seated within us and it takes hold, it becomes a force of its own. It separates us from Father, anchors us in the fleshly world, and subjects us to all of the darkness that this world can manifest. And the great thing about fear is once fear is in you, we will self-perpetuate fear by our own free will. Once a person starts to be consumed with fear, they will see things. They will manifest images before them that may not even be there. But they will see things because they are being controlled. The entire COVID con, the center of success of COVID con was fear. People became so consumed with fear that they could no longer hear what we were say, saying. It was almost as if they were living in another universe. You could speak logic to them. You could tell them what was going on. You could give them facts. But the fear was so powerful that it consumed their thoughts and consumed their heart to such an incredible level that they could not step away from that because to step into our world was itself more fearful than stepping into their place where they could say, yeah, but I could just wear a mask and I'll be fine. Yeah, but I could get a shot and I'll be fine. Fear, deeply rooted, sadly, creates shame and leverages doubt. All these three, three, three things work together. And the only way we can manifest, we can manage them in a, in a society is if we brush them away, put them in a room and pretend it doesn't exist. Right now, these three things combined, as I would place it, have caused a cognitive dissonance and a cognitive snap within this society. People have literally shifted to an alternate reality because in order to get into where we are in the truth of this moment, they have to confront decisions, confront the pain, confront the consequence of what they have done. And that consequence is so powerful without Jesus that it's a burden that many can't bear, just like the parent that has led their children to slaughter in the, in the towers of Baphomet and Baal to have their genitals removed. Heavy burdens to bear. And one of the reasons that the words forgiveness in our faith is so important we live in a time of accountability, but we have to have the heart of forgiveness because it's not about punishing those other than the true evil, but to bringing those away from what they've been entrapped with. Because once they get entrapped and captured by the darkness, they will become agents of the darkness. And our goal is to bring them out of that. There are two major steps leading up to the principles of healing. One, obviously, is the acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Savior. That is a critical and foundational piece of everything that we do. Through that, we are truly reborn. Through that, through that, we are allowed the knowledge to know that we are forgiven for our sins, our burdens, and that is let go. And we're then, as we have come into this world, we become knowledgeable of what is good and what is evil. As we step into that and we're making a choice to go which is good, through the salvation of Christ, our acceptance of Christ in our heart, and through repentance, we are returning back to Father in the purity that he seeks and we must have and that in attempting to get back to that perfection at conception. That's amazing when you think about the gift that Christ gave us. Moving forward with that, there's another piece that we have to do. And this is the hardest piece in any form of healing of a nation and healing of an individual or healing of a family. We have to say these words, Jesus, I forgive myself. 
Because in that moment, we have to take accountability for what we have done. And we have to speak the words of forgiveness from a heart that says, I will let this go to you. And I forgive it from my own heart. It is amazing how difficult those words are to speak and anybody in forgiveness. And when we speak those words truly from our heart, there's usually a pretty significant release. No matter where people are, those words ultimately are the hardest to walk in. And once we do, we've crossed a Rubicon where we can start to get to the level of true healing. Getting into that true healing then, then becomes to the place of identifying the problem. Whether it's in the sense of doubt, shame, or fear, we have to identify the root. Then we can come out of agreement with it. And part of that is to come out of, literally coming out of agreement by saying these words, I come out of agreement, Jesus, with doubt. Jesus, I come out of agreement with shame. Jesus, I come out of agreement with fear. And then we have to break that soul tie because within this, these are such powerful bonds that hold us. They create what we call soul ties. They're energy. If you want to look at it in another sense, it's like an energy tie. It's a spiritual tie, is better said, to something that is anchoring us. And we have to break that. Many marriages, for example, are built purely in a fleshly relationship and they lack a spiritual component. And so there is a soul tie that's forged within the physical act of sex and the physical act of physical intercourse. But lacking that relationship in Christ to reforge that to strengthen a marriage, it is a sh it, we can show again and again that if someone will come out of agreement and break the soul tie that they currently have and pray into a soul tie through Jesus to reforge that marriage, that marriage can transform literally right before your very eyes. All things we are doing is through Christ. And in a world where we step into the world not having Christ in our lives, that step of accepting him puts us back in through him and through him to the Father. As we unleaven, as we release these other burdens, we are able now to step into that place of being sovereign. Authorities, prince and priests of this world. And our country was built on that type of a person. Our country was built on people that were strong, that were anchored, that were rooted in faith that understood that as a walk in life that we would we would sin that we would then repent to get back to the back to that grace of god but wasn't a place of breaking us down to where we felt that we were unworthy of anything it wasn't a place of breaking us down so far that we would choose to change our gender or to commit suicide our country has been manipulated deeply and darkly and all the tools that are we need are actually in our hands to do it to restore ourselves those powerful tools to throw off these forms of government that become despotic. That was a right given to us. It's not a government right to tell us, no, we have the right of the people to say, you are no longer with us. But if we're carrying the guilt of things we have done in a government who itself has manipulated that guilt, they are the purveyors of the crime. They're the rapists. They're the criminals. They're the pedophiles. But until we can break those bonds to understand who was the perpetrator, who was the cause of the crime and the crime or sin, if you will, those things that have given us the doubt, the shame, and the fear, until we can get grips of that, that government is going to continue to tell us and talk to us as slaves. And right now, what we have developed out of this with the combination of doubt and shame and fear we have rooted ourselves into an acceptance of a slave place in this world. 
we don't have the courage to step in for so many reasons. And in one way or another, whether it's fear or shame or a fear of something being revealed about you, whatever that is, a consequence of fear because they're threatening you, the shame it would mean in your life if you got thrown in jail, the doubt you have of really having the authority to do so, all of these things are central to the government controlling us because they don't want you to believe the words that are given to us in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And those words, again, are so simple. They are so pure and so true. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And continuing, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's us. And the amazing thing is that we've gotten to a place where the government says, you shall not have life guaranteed because your mother can abort you. And we say, okay. You, cannot, you don't have a liberty guaranteed because if you say something online that we consider racial or hateful, we're going to shut you down. You no longer have that right to move and be mobile because if we say that you need to get an injection, you can't move unless we garnish that, unless we guarantee you have a certain pass. And the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is only defined by the success you have in your job. And remember, you're guilty for the world heating up and global warming. You can't have happiness unless you give away everything to us. You rent from us and we give you a 300 square foot carbon, low carbon footprint box to live in. They have manipulated every principle of our Declaration of Independence because they have used the principles of guilt, shame, of doubt, shame, and fear. It's that simple. And because we have accepted those principles in our life, ultimately, because in the walk of this, we are not willing and or have not been willing, would be better said, to walk into those hidden rooms, those places of darkness, those places that we have carried with us, to open those doors and to walk in and say, Jesus, come with me and heal these places, no matter what they mean. I know that in this program, in this here, I have given testimony to some very difficult things in my life. And they aren't things that are easy. And believe me, dealing with testimonies in your life where you're literally spewing it out to a quarter million people isn't what I would have called my choice of, de of deliverance. But that's how God has led. And right now I'm dealing with another big one right now, a huge one in my life. Something I seldom ever talk about. And it has to do with two adopted boys that I have. I adopted them years ago, and we are, we are very estranged. We haven't talked for years. And that part of that healing and that responsibility, because I was their father for 10 years, father to raise them for the most of their life. And it's even a place where I couldn't even, I haven't even been able to accept myself as being a father, and yet that was my role. That's a hidden room. It's a room I have to go into now. It's a room that God tells me I have to go to, and I will. It's a room that has to be healed spiritually, and then I have to trust in God to whatever that healing looks like in the physical. But it can't be hidden and it can't be brushed aside anymore. And I've built walls around this one. I have built mountains around this one. But this is part of the walk that we're all on. We're in a time right now of deep accountability. And we have to start looking at those places that are driving our decisions on a daily basis. Our words literally have the power of life and death. The way we walk is a representation of our King, 
Jesus. How we step in our world should reflect the biblical truths in which we desire to bring into this world. That's the moral law. That's the common law which we want to bring back, the accountability of man to man. And if we walk with duplicity in our heart, we walk with a hypocrisy in our word, then we've only weakened our step. If there's one thing that every person can be doing right now, it's going into those hidden rooms. It's bringing it to the throne. And whatever God leads you to do to that, I just happen to be on a mic that speaks to the world and the way he ultimately leads me. It's like, guess what? You get to share your story. And I'm like, oh, good. Another one of these. Exciting. Looking forward to it. But I do. And I, I know that there's people out here and go, oh, I don't want to listen to this right now. And that's okay, too. But it is part of the walk of accountability we have to our Father. Right now, this walk for me, it's a big one. It's going to take me some time. It's going to be one of those that that door has been built in steel. It has been welded. It has locks put on it. It has guard dogs around it. But all those have to go away. Because to get to that next level that I know Father wants me to go, that leveling up, it has to be opened again. You've got to go in it. And I have to walk in it. And there's no one that's going to walk it with me except Jesus. And while I have amazing people around my life, it is still a place that it has to be faced and it has to be walked into and you have to confront the pain and the responsibilities of things that you caused by decisions you've made. And it becomes a relationship of father and yourself. And when we get to those deep places of healing, as hard as those fires are to walk, those furnaces that light and burn away that dross, and it is never that enjoyable. <laughs> But where we get to on the other side is like when Meshach and Bendigo walked out of the flames. We become greater in him. So, patriots, my word is really simple because it's the word not of me. It's the word of Holy Spirit. We've got to get into the hidden rooms. you got to open them. And we have to lead others to do the same because our nation has become burdened with wounds and scars and things we don't want to face. And we have to start working to these deep levels of healing. And whether it's COVID con or whether it's stuff in your past, whether it's a family tie that's been broken, we have to do whatever we can. And we begin in the spirit. We begin praying there. We begin walking that with Jesus. We begin releasing those ties and bonds that bind us. We literally begin working that timeline of our life to heal and restore with the love in our heart to do the same for those that were involved or in, impacted by our walk. And when we do that, we're truly doing God's work. And that's where one of the greatest revolutions happens right now because it takes away the enemy's ability to control us. It takes away the enemy's ability to manipulate us. And it separates the enemy from our world and sticks him back in his. And then those words when we say, I am not of this world, truly mean something. Because the enemy can no longer reach across and touch us. We're no longer idolizing and turning our own pain into an idolatry that separates us from God. We're no longer carrying the doubt in our heart that makes us question whether God is real or whether miracle healings happen or whether God's prayers are answered or whatever it is. And we're, never, we're no longer allowing the seeds of fear to infect us or, in, or corrupt us, even if fear is having to face a problem of the past that we don't longer want to look at. Powerful times, powerful choices, critical times and critical hours. The clock is ticking and urgency is on the, in the air. There's a reason. The world is beginning to spin out of a, out of a normal control. 
the world leadership is falling apart and how we walk in this world as the sovereigns will define to a great deal the direction in which this world goes. That's the remnant. And the remnant's responsibility is huge, but it's not something to fear. It's something to be excited about. It's a glorious time to be there. And as we hold ourselves to a higher standard of accountability, that standard of accountability that is established by Jesus himself, there's only one outcome, and it's good, and it's love, and it's healing. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we come to you today very humbled and blessed. The assembly that we have here in Bars Nation is such a broad representation of our faith and where we walk in faith at a current state of time. We all are meeting here together and meeting each other where we are. And so, Father, our prayers today truly are just that this message sits within the hearts and that as each person hears this message, let your words resonate deep. Let us have the courage to go in and open the doors to those hidden rooms. Let us step in and deal with those issues and release them. And Jesus, we just ask that for each person that takes that walk, that you join them and walk with them. That Holy Spirit brings in the healing necessary, the strategies of how to confront these issues of past and burdens, to release them and to do so in a loving manner, to create a wake of healing across this nation that begins with the one that affects the 99. And in this beautiful hour, as each one seeks to unleaven or unrelease, un that is, the burdens on their hearts, the things that they've carried, as the Holy Spirit heals that, as Jesus walks with us in that power, and, and Jesus, we ask that you're here, that we truly begin to lift up the body in a new way, a body that's unchained and untethered from the damage that this enemy's tried to do a body that begins to see itself for as we should be, as children of God, not as children affected by sin and demons. And we begin to walk with pure hearts and eyes to see and ears to hear, that we no longer are seeing the world through the corruption that is put in within our lives. We start to see the world through the greatness and joy and glory that God has brought into this world. So, Father, our prayer here today extends even from the prayer we've had each day that we will continue. That in this moment in time, as we face that moment to go into those hidden rooms, may we all share a combined experience collectively and globally of an encounter in dream, waking or in sleep of Jesus. Let him be present in all of us and for a moment, a flash, even if it's deep in the middle of the night in dream or middle of the day while working, let us see his face. And Jesus, we ask that. And let this be the step for all of us to take the step forward, to go into those hidden rooms and release them, to know the true power of forgiveness and love and transform a world literally in an instant. It's only one dream away. Guide us, Father, bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All things to the glory of Jesus. It's an interesting walk ahead for all of us. And it's a challenge and a, a task that we have to be willing to step into. Even as far as, even if you've had a lot of healing in your life, there's always another level we can go to. And it's the responsible, mature walk in God that reminds us that we must continually be humbled before Him, that we're never, we've never humbled ourselves enough. And each step that we go, we go further into Him, the greater in glo of glory we learn of Him. And through that humbleness, 
that we walk we and our vulnerability that we're willing to show, we learn the greaterness of him within us each and every step. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.